0: Welcome, caller. You're on the line with the calls are coming from inside the podcast, an exploration into the human side of horror. This episode. We're diving in with a special super chiller essay dedicated in memory of actor David Warner, one of the film stars who sadly passed away this week, about the company of wolves as we explore Horror is the Fairy Tale. Folk tales are the earliest types of storytelling we have, and many of the earliest published works were based on stories passed down by oral tradition. For many of the collections that are attributed to men like Charles Perrault, the Grimm Brothers, or Giambattista Basile, the tales that made a foundation for their writing came from the mouths of local women who would share stories as they worked around the homestead. We're going to take a deeper dive in this special audio essay to find out why horror can so often feel like a fairy tale. What unites fairy tales and horror? The primal fears? The social instruction? The supernatural imagination? New fairy tales may take the form of magical realism, slipstream, or modernized fables, but I think that horror stories have taken over as the popularized form of the modern folktale, particularly in film. We can look at the popularity of urban legends being grafted onto the DNA of horror cinema, and the rise of true crime media as underscoring the cautionary role of the folktale, culminating in our current horror climate that remixes old tropes, focuses on social commentary, Presents legendary figures as both villains and final girls, or does all of the above. Like fairy tales, horror has the power to tell us stories that are archetypal but meaningful. Both story forms go into the dark woods of meaning and memory. Just like the dark forest that we enter in a fairy tale, we enter the terrible place in horror, to borrow from Carol Clover. The settings might be different now than they were in previous centuries as we see more urban and less pastoral types of stories with the modern horror film, and that's by design. What we most often encounter are more city tied ways of living as urban sprawl stretches out, and so horror stories focus on cities and suburbs as the places we live, just like older folktales are about imagining journeys to and from home. So, how do we blend in the company of wolves with what is going on in horror today? I mean... We have folk horror being created up to this very moment with films like The Witch or The Recent and Fabulous You Won't Be Alone, so this isn't to say that this type of storytelling doesn't still exist, but when we look at folk horror in contemporary times, as with the newly released Dutch horror film Malak, we are looking at stories of the past coming to haunt us so that even the folktale itself can be the horror. The fairy tale becomes the monster, in a way. The Company of Wolves is a 1984 film directed by Irish filmmaker Neil Jordan, who would go on to direct Interview with the Vampire a decade later. It was adapted by Jordan and author Angela Carter from her 1979 story collection, The Bloody Chamber, which applies a feminist lens to classic fairy tale tropes. The movie stars 12 year old Sarah Patterson in her film debut as Rosaline and the always incredible Angela Lansbury in full grandma drag as a version of Red Riding Hood and her grandmother, respectively. Although Jordan himself has said he doesn't consider this a horror movie, it is a werewolf story that uses nightmare imagery and other horror tropes to relay its narrative, and the topic of our essay today is how horror is the modern form of fairy tales, so we may have to politely disagree with Jordan's assessment. The distinction between fairy tale and horror is an important one to make, but if we think about why horror matters, we have to connect back to the storytelling tradition that birthed both. Horror is not something that comes out of a sick vacuum, but is a necessary function of society. Horror has to move us to action, or comfort us in some cases, otherwise it doesn't fulfill its role. And The Company of Wolves is all about the horrifying need to fulfill roles. The Company of Wolves came out at an interesting time for horror with the wave of teen slashers hitting their crest, and particularly for a movie from the UK, the rise of the Video Nasties era. Critic Mark Kermode describes the movie as a mix of art house and exploitation film, and that blend of high and low art styles matches perfectly the blend of classic and contemporary storytelling that unites the folktale and the horror story. As Keith Hopper notes in the article Harry on the Inside, from the European perspective, fantasy is less a form of escapism and more a stylized representation of unconscious desire. Though it isn't always fantastical, the horror genre does follow this thread of unconscious desires, or unspoken fears, that allow us to process and understand the horrors of our own world. The movie starts with a young girl in her locked room, asleep and dreaming while her older sister berates her from the other side of the door. We go into Rosaline's dream to see her sister, Alice, be killed by a pack of wolves, kicking off the underlying fears of the movie. Alice has strayed from the path, and Rosaline's grandmother tries to reinforce Rosaline's good behavior through stories and aphorisms so that she doesn't fall prey to the wolves as well. But Rosaline is a fearless character, and she continuously questions why the adults in her life are asking her to behave in a certain way. Even with these disagreements, the connection between Rosaline and her grandmother is very strong, reflecting the dynamic from the original tale. The movie packs stories within stories into its structure, with grandmother telling a tale of a woman who unknowingly marries a werewolf, in a transformation that's more Hellraiser than Howling, And later, a story about a young boy in the woods who gets some chest hair growing ointment from Terrence Stamp. The storytelling of grandmothers inspires a story that Rosaline tells her own mother about a woman who was wronged, crashing the wedding feast of the aristocrat who betrayed her, and turning the man and all of his guests into dogs. The stories are warnings, though in this case, they transform from grandma's sexist cautionary tales to Rosaline's threats to those at the top of power structures. The movie is filled with imagery related to puberty and coming of age, which is often a site of concern for fairy tale characters. For example, after being harassed by a neighbor boy, Rosaline climbs a tree and finds a nest filled with eggs. The eggs crack open, revealing some human baby figurines. And although Rosaline takes one back home with her, she doesn't do anything with this baby. It's just another symbol of the unconscious pushing into Rosaline's reality. The unconscious forms a lot of concerns about identity during adolescence, and without reassurance or validation, we can find a lot of fear about our own bodies and our desires. The different forms of wolves that appear throughout the film are there to change our understanding of the typical werewolf narrative, which had up to that point often been either tragic figures like in The Wolfman or American Werewolf in London, or a stock villain tropes like in The Howling. In Carter and Jordan's tale, wolves are cruel and liberated, charismatic, and devious. They are the pure symbol of desire. This mutable symbol of the wolf helps us understand the critique of gender expectations, which the fairy tale and horror film historically have conformed to heavily. So, providing a mixed mode film allows the fangs of this wolf to puncture both the folktale and horror genres, and allows us to use new lenses to interpret other stories in those genres. As we talked about with Coraline and extended in comparisons with the work of David Lynch, duality plays a strong role in fairy tales and in the horror film. In this movie, the role of the huntsman and the wolf are joined as one as Rosaline encounters a strange man in the woods whose eyebrows meet in the middle and who bets her that he can make it to grandma's house faster than her. Rather than being saved by the hunter or at the mercy of the wolf, the blending of the two figures allows this little red riding hood to make a choice. A choice that transforms her instantly and forever. The fairy tale is often stereotyped as having happily ever after endings, though this isn't always the case, and in fact, many fairy tales have ambiguous or even dark endings. Horror stories often subvert happily ever after. Usually, we see characters either overcome their circumstances while acknowledging that evil still may be lurking, or we get a tragic ending that makes the horror all-encompassing. In the Company of Wolves, we see ambiguous endings for both the dream Rosaline and the real-world Rosaline, as she turns into a wolf along with the huntsman in the former. As she turns into a wolf along with the huntsman in the former, and in the latter, she awakes to a wolf crashing through her window, destroying her childhood knick-knacks. In voiceover over these final images, Rosaline calmly reads a poem that provides the moral of the Red Riding Hood tale. Jordan himself stated that he intended the editing to be ambiguous, with the final scream and then the poem, and the girl's voice to strengthen the ambiguity. He didn't want the film to end up with the girl under threat. It's a liberation in a way. The horror of being on the precipice of understanding your own power and having it yanked away from you is not only part of adolescence. But something that marginalized people in particular can connect to and process as they see it occur on screen, as well as the liberatory realization that you have the power to throw off that horror through your own strengths. Fairy tales and horror come together here, as they are instructional not for the moral code they provide, but for the power they offer us to imagine alternative futures. This short essay was a fun way to explore the themes that kept coming up throughout our current series of films and the sweet treats of summer. And we would like to do more. So of course, make sure to leave a review on Spotify or Apple. And if you like what you heard today, make special mention of our audio essays. We'd like to include at least one with each of our upcoming themes. So we're planning more and want to make sure that they're resonating with you. Until next time, remember to stray from the path and keep it creepy. kind of wolves are hairy on the inside and when they bite you they drag you with them to hell